this conference Sunday. KSL would like to introduce you to an important program called Mindfulness Plus. Thomas McConkie explores guided meditation each week on the KSL News Radio app. Today, Thomas joins us for mindfulness and growth in the spirit on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Hello and welcome to Mindfulness Plus, a special conference edition. Thank you so much for listening today. I want to start by expressing gratitude to KSL for hosting Mindfulness Plus the last six months and giving me the opportunity to share a practice that has really changed my life. It's really rewarding for me to get to share this message and share the teachings that have been an integral part of my faith journey and my ongoing progression. So I want to do just that today. I want to share two specific practices that have really deepened and informed my faith and transformed the person that I am over the years. But before I do that, I think it'd be helpful to tell you a little bit about my background. As my name suggests, Thomas Worthland McConkie, I was raised in a Mormon family, a devout and loving Mormon family here in Salt Lake City, Utah. And if you ask my mom what kind of kid I was growing up, she will probably tell you that I am I was a really sensitive boy who really loved to talk about Jesus. She tells me when I was young, I would often stop her throughout the day to talk about Jesus. <laughs> tell me all about Jesus. And I love to sing about Jesus. I remember having uh, primary songs just lilting through my head as a young boy. It was really an amazing experience for me when I was young. The world was magical and it was animated. And I had a deep sense that God cared about me and uh, cared about my life. That really culminated in my childhood when I was 12 years old. I became really sick with a fever. It was a cold, snowy, wet, wintry evening in Salt Lake. I came down with a terrible fever, the sickest I'd ever been. And I remember my parents talking about whether or not it was serious enough to take me to the hospital. And at one point, my mom turned to me and she said, Tommy, how would you feel about your grandfather Worthland coming over to give you a blessing? He really has the gift of healing. And I remember when my mom said that, your grandfather has the gift of healing. I had faith. I knew that he did have that gift, and I knew that I could be healed. So I said, of course I'd love a blessing. And my granddad came up to the home. He shook off the snow from his boots. The cold air whipped in from the night. And he took me and the family into the living room. He sat me down, he laid his hands on my head, and he gave me a blessing. And I remember so clearly how powerful that experience was. I remember the energy and the divine power coursing through my body. It was like nothing I had ever felt before. And this fever, like a cloud in a hot summer sky just dissipated. I just remember feeling it baked out of my body as if by heat. (laughs) 
and I was healed. And I even went skiing with my friends the next day. My mom was worried. She said, you've been so sick. How can you possibly go skiing? And I just said, I feel I've never felt better. <laughs> and I tell this story to just paint a picture that that was what I remember of my childhood. That's what I remember of my relationship to the Mormon faith, that it was a church of miracles and that God's power flows deeply through blessings and flows through this church. So it was all the more surprising when just a year or so after that, it was when I was around 13 years old, that I started to have really significant questions about the church. I wondered if this is the true church, then why are members of the church so imperfect? Why aren't we better to one another? Why aren't we more loving toward one another? And as I asked that question more and more, I started to have other questions about the history of the church. What a strange origin story the Mormon church has. What is the Book of Mormon really? You know, what, what does it mean that Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon? I had so many questions about what was going on, and it was such a stark contrast to the little boy I was growing up singing songs of Jesus and having miraculous healings and knowing with absolute certainty that this was God's church. The more questions I had about the church, I think the more tension there was in the family. There was this sense that if I was asking questions that I was going down the wrong path. It was a much better place to be in total faith as I was as a child than moving into this more skeptical period where I doubted everything and I wondered, you know, if this church really was true. Uh, the more questions I asked, the more tension, the more conflict there seemed to be in the home. And the more tension, the more conflict there was in the home, the more I was driven to go down that path and ask these questions. So it started in a way a kind of vicious cycle where I kept asking and I kept pushing. And whereas I had started in this place of just being perfectly held like a babe in his mother's arms in the Mormon tradition, by the time I was well into adolescence, I had come into this period in my life of deep questioning, deep doubt, and a feeling like I didn't know where home was anymore. When we come back from break, I want to tell you what happened at my freshman year in college, this experience that changed my life yet again. To learn about mindfulness and to hear more from our host, download the KSL News Radio app. Look for Mindfulness Plus in the on demand section. Back to Thomas McConkie on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Mindfulness Plus, a special conference edition. I'm your host, Thomas McConkie. Before break, I was sharing a little bit of my background growing up in the church and what you might call perfect faith and trust, and coming into a period in my life during adolescence that you might call perfect doubt or perfect skepticism. This led to a lot of conflict in my family. They wanted what was best for me, and they wanted me to come back to a place of faith and activity in the church. And the more they pushed on me, the more I pushed on them. 
It led to a lot of painful years through my adolescence so that by the time I wound up uh, in college my freshman year, I had a lot of health problems. I had a lot of emotional problems. Uh, one of the hardest health problems was chronic insomnia. I just wasn't sleeping very well through the night, and I hadn't for years. Um, I also had pretty significant depression and anxiety, really just heartache over uh, the painful falling out I had had with my family. And then something in me spontaneously started searching in a new way that I never had. I actually remember when I was 18 years old, just moved out for the first time, and I started to ask people if they knew anything about meditation, if they knew anything about mindfulness. I just had this intuition like this practice could really help me, and I don't even know to this day how I knew that. I think I was just guided to it. I found books on meditation. I found teachers that were in my very own neighborhood, and I started to meditate every single day. I would sit still. I would do my best to just relax and empty out and confront myself to encounter myself at a deeper level than I ever had. It was remarkable to me that after just six months, for the first time in years, I started to sleep better. My insomnia just started to take care of itself. Emotionally, I was feeling much happier. I wasn't as anxious as I had been for years. I, I wasn't as depressed. And whereas I had been a pretty shaky student in high school, it's just hard for me to crack a book, something about practicing meditation strengthened my concentration, cleared up my mind, and I found myself pulling the best grades I'd ever gotten my freshman year of college, not a moment too soon, I might add. So I was seeing all of these really positive health benefits. My life was changing just by picking up this practice of sitting still every day in a deliberate way for a few moments. It was really incredible. But in hindsight, what was even more amazing than that wasn't the physical benefits. <clears throat> in fact, when I look at the physical benefits to mindfulness, they seem quite trivial when I reflect on the spiritual gifts I was receiving through the practice. In hindsight, this daily ritual of coming to stillness, emptying out, and making room for the spirit to work on me was really changing my life. I didn't know it at the time, but it's really clear to me looking back that as I was doing this mindfulness practice, I was actually developing a much deeper friendship and intimacy with God. It took me years to really make sense of this. I'd had a painful adolescence and a painful relationship with the Mormon church for so many years that it was actually unthinkable to me at the time in my college years and after to actually go back to church. But I had found a practice that was really nourishing me spiritually again and setting me up for a lot of future success, I believe. Well, I moved all over the world and in 2011, just a few years ago, I moved back from China and found myself at church again. I had been gone from the church nearly 20 years at that point, and I just felt a deep call back. 
And I was amazed by my experience coming back to church because I realized after years of meditating that the Mormon church was this beautifully designed vehicle to help me cultivate a relationship with God and to develop divine attributes, whether it was studying scripture or praying or taking the sacrament or doing temple work or just loving and serving my neighbor. All of these things that the Mormon church had designed into the daily life for the members, this was the fruition of a mindfulness practice to me. In other words, the whole reason I had been sitting still for all these years was to cultivate this friendship, this, this relationship with God so that I could show up and love people and serve people better. So to me, at this point in my life as an active Latter-day Saint again, much to everybody's surprise who grew up with me, I, I am in such deep appreciation of the opportunities I have to live an extended meditation practice, if you will, through my Mormon faith and my membership. Since moving back from China a few years ago, I've shared the mindfulness practice in a much more deliberate and intentional way, and I have met hundreds of Latter-day Saints who have similar stories to me, who had some kind of falling out with the, the tradition, whether at a younger age like myself or later in life, and to invite them into this practice of being still, of emptying out and allowing the Spirit to work on them. I've found that people who virtually have an allergy to hearing anything Mormon, this practice, which is free of content, right? It's not telling people what to believe or how to behave. It's just helping them find a place in themselves where they can make room for new possibilities to come through. It has been an incredible tool to share with people and to see people's faith deepening and their spirits strengthening as the practice did for me. So when we return, I'll share the next chapter of this episode with you, what happened in my life, right when we return. For more peace, more restfulness, more quiet, listen to Mindfulness Plus on the KSL News Radio app. Back to Mindfulness and Growth in the Spirit with Thomas McConkie on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. Before break, I was talking about how my mindfulness practice was deepening over the years and how it gave me new eyes to see and experience my Mormon faith and the Mormon church. Many years into my mindfulness practice, this was in my late 20s, I'd been practicing mindfulness daily for about 10 years when my teacher recommended a book that touched on the topic of adult development. And I had a moment, even a shock of recognition when I was reading about adult development. Now, let me explain really briefly what adult development means. It is a new field of research within the discipline of developmental psychology that looks not at how children develop up until adulthood, which is traditionally what has been studied, but it looks at how adults can continue to develop throughout a lifespan. For virtually all the history of human civilization, there was this kind of assumption that once human beings reached physical maturity, that we kind of stopped developing in most meaningful ways. 
And with new research, we can clearly see the patterns of adult development and how we all have the potential to develop in an ongoing way throughout our entire lifetime. When I saw this, I was struck at how aligned it felt with Mormon doctrine, Mormon theology, what I had grown up to know to be true, that adulthood in terms of physical maturity is just the very, very beginning of our road to divinity, you could say. So here I was seeing these beautiful patterns described in adult development pointing the way for me to what we call in Mormonism ongoing progression. So I was shocked at the alignment that this field seemed to have with, uh, with our teachings in Mormonism. I was also joyful because I had felt like such a stranger to the Mormon faith for so long. I felt like I didn't have a place, that something about my life just took me in a different direction, that I couldn't reconcile with my family, that I couldn't reconcile with the culture that I grew up in. And here I was seeing a totally different story. It was basically saying, Thomas, you're still growing and you've got a lot more growing to do. But I knew when I read it, I knew when I was exposed to this teaching that I was just developing as a Mormon. I, I saw myself in the tradition again, and it brought me so much happiness. If I could summarize this entire field of adult development and what has become a deep practice for me, I would summarize it in two words, compassion and humility. Compassion, because when we really understand the patterns of adult development. We see the transformations that occur in ourselves and occur in others throughout a lifetime. Those people who seem very different than us, whose beliefs even seem shocking to us and may seem totally contrary to what any good, faithful Latter-day Saint would believe, suddenly it can cast a new light on these people that seem so different. And we can recognize that they too are unfolding according to the wisdom and, and intelligence of their own lives and God's loving plan for them. So to know the patterns of adult development help us cultivate compassion towards others who seem so different than us. And the humility piece comes in when we recognize that there's no upper limit to how much we can develop. We may think that we're quite advanced and we may think that other people are quite far behind, but what development shows us so relentlessly is that we have so much room to grow and that will always be the case and there will always be people more developed than we are to help show us the way. Moreover, development helps us see that whenever we feel any unfriendliness, whenever we feel judgment towards another, it's not their immaturity that's the problem. It's our lack of maturity to really be loving towards people who are different than us. And Christ's teaching of removing the log from your eye before pointing to the moat in your brother's eye hits on this teaching exactly. 
So what I want to do next is call in a close friend of mine. I met him after I wrote a book on this topic. We've become close friends since, and he speaks about it very beautifully. I invited him to this conference special today to share a few words about how his faith journey has been impacted by uh, learning about the patterns of adult development. Hey, Brent Elmer from Seattle, Washington. Thanks so much for joining us for this general conference edition of Mindfulness Plus. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so just before I called you, I was sharing about my discovery of adult development and the compassion it's taught me, as well as humility, knowing that I always have more growing up to do. And you and I have had a deep conversation about this over the last two years now, and I wanted to just uh, hear what you had to say about it, how this practice of adult development has influenced you and how it's impacted your faith journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Thomas. <laughs> um, so as you know, about six months before you and I met, I was in a pretty tough place. Because I had learned some information about our church's history. It was extremely troubling for me. Um, and it wasn't from enemies of the church. It was part of our history. And I was initially very confused. Um, and eventually that became anger. Anger at the idea that who we were had been misrepresented to me. And I felt like I had been lied to. Um, and I was upset. And I felt like I was in a place where I had two options. One, I could uh, walk away, turn my back on everything that I had ever known and loved and believed, and the special experiences that I've had here in my faith. Um, or the second... I could um, pretend that I had never learned this information because it felt like I could not possibly go on believing as I had and um, know what I knew. Mm. And that was a very, very difficult and kind of hopeless place for me because neither of those options felt authentic. And as I thought through each, they seemed like they would be so painful, each of them in their own way. And uh, so when you and I began talking, and even in our first conversation, as you introduced me to these adult development mindsets, um, I started to get a glimmer of hope that a third possibility existed. And that was that I could let these facts be what they were, that I could admit them, that I could even accept them, and still hold on to the sacred experiences that I've had here with my faith and with God mm. and with our religion. Mm. And from that intersection, allow a new type of faith to be born. And that filled me with so much hope because it felt like a path forward. And it was beautiful. And as I, over the next couple of months, worked through that experience of that journey, um, I came to recognize that our faith and my faith is never complete because um, we're in a constant state of developing. And 
sometimes we come into new information or we have new experiences or our context changes in a way that necessitates a new faith to emerge. But that in that transition period, it's not a backsliding, but we're actually integrating who we are with what we believe into something new. Hmm. That's incredible, Brent, and you're always so articulate in how you share your experience. I'm really grateful. And as you're saying that, I'm struck that I know so many people. I've met so many people. I'm one of these people who, at a certain point along his faith journey in Mormonism, came across new information and new facts that was really troubling to me. And I'm really moved by your expression and just how similar it is to my own experience that when we have a sense of development, when we have a sense of ongoing progression, that this hopelessness, like everything we loved, fell apart, becomes a fundamental hopefulness that we're actually, we're growing, we're expanding, and our faith is actually deepening if we're willing to make that journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's been humbling to acknowledge that that process that's happening that happened for me is taking place for so many others around me in our faith um it's been a real uh, humbling experience to recognize that uh, we are constantly trying to become and to grow up in our faith yeah yeah Brent, thank you so much for joining us here today. Your message inspires me, and I value our friendship deeply. Thank you for the person you are and and who you're becoming. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, Thomas, and thank you for sharing this journey with me um, and for spending some time with me today. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Brent. I wrote a book back in 2015 titled Navigating Mormon Faith Crisis. And admittedly, the title sounds daunting, but I titled the book that specifically to reach the demographic of Mormons that really identified with crisis in their lives. Their marriages might have been falling apart due to a lapse in faith or a shift in faith, rather. Uh, Their very identities felt like they were dissolving and crumbling on them, and I wanted to reach that audience. But really, the old saying, never let a good crisis go to waste, that's right at the heart of the intention of this book that, like Brent described in his really moving personal story, when our faith is shaken, when we are trying to integrate new facts and new kinds of information into our faith, there's actually a deeper identity that can emerge from that, a deeper faith. And It's been a blessing in my life to learn about patterns of adult development and continue to build my faith on a rock. (laughs) When we return, we will conclude with a personal story. To learn about mindfulness and to hear more from our host, download the KSL News Radio app. Look for Mindfulness Plus in the on demand section. Back to Thomas McConkie. On KSL News Radio. Welcome back. Up till now, I've shared a little bit about my personal story. And then I talked about how I came into a mindfulness practice, how that changed my life. 
and how practicing mindfulness over the years, it gave me deep insight into adult development and how that's taught me compassion and humility. I want to close with a story that really changed my life, (laughs) not to be repetitive. (laughs) Uh, I got back from China my first year in China when I was 21 years old. And as I mentioned before in the show, I had been away from the church many years. My granddad, Worthlin, who was in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles at the time, he invited me to his office one summer day just to chat and to catch up. And this is a point in my life where I had been inactive in the church for eight years. I had hair down to my shoulders, had a reputation for being the oddball Buddhist in the family. My granddad called me downtown to his office, and I went up to some floor high up in the high-rise of the church office building, and we just talked, and we joked. He was a funny guy. (laughs) He made fun of my hairdo. (laughs) And then he said something to me that was so disarming, I'll never forget it. He looked at me, and he said, I know you're going to serve a mission, And this was at a time where I was 21 years old. I hadn't been to church in several years, and all signs were pointing to I would never serve a mission. But the way he looked at me, the way he was with me, was the teaching. It wasn't his words, but it it was who he was and the place he was speaking from. He was totally present with me, open-hearted, sensitive, all the qualities that we try to cultivate in a mindfulness practice. And he was infinitely patient with me, knowing that maybe I wouldn't serve a conventional mission, but I had the rest of my lifetime and the rest of eternity to serve Christ and to build the kingdom. This patience of his, the patience of centuries, is one where we don't look at the immediate faults of the person in front of us and judge them according to our standard of where we think they ought to be in life. But we appreciate the geologic timescale across which the human spirit, human intelligence, develops and evolves into godhood. And the way that man looked at me the way he was present, and the way he was patient with me. He opened a door to me that had been closed for so long, that had felt closed for so long. In that moment, he invited me to fulfill my potential, and his presence, his loving heart, seemed to say, no matter how long it takes you, I know who you are. I see who you're becoming. And I love that and I honor that. Were it not for that example of presence and patience, (laughs) that example in my language I call mindfulness and development, I don't know that I would be here sharing the message that I am on General Conference Sunday.
though I am still as a newborn infant in the practice of mindfulness and on the path of ongoing progression, these practices over the last 20 years, they have taught me how to be more present with others, how to be more open-hearted, how to be more loving, and maybe most of all, how to be deeply trusting of people's journeys, knowing that I can't imagine the burden that another bears, and I can't fathom the plan that God has in store for each unique soul and spirit. It's been a blessing for me to walk this path, to learn these practices, and to now have the opportunity to share them with so many people. In closing, I'd just like to extend an invitation uh, for all those curious. You can tune in to Mindfulness Plus on KSL News. Get the KSL News radio app in the on-demand section. I teach weekly lessons that can help you develop more mindful awareness in your life. And you can go to our website, lowerlightsslc.org, to learn about classes and gatherings going on, to check out the book, Navigating Mormon Faith Crisis, which is really just code for how we can continue to develop spiritually in this life and to support one another along the way. Thank you so much for being here today, for listening. I'm honored and full of gratitude to get to share this message and my wishes that we have an opportunity to continue to grow with one another, uh, to spread peace through this valley and beyond. Mm-hmm.